Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I'm wanting to wish you a happy Father's Day. If you're a father or a dad, I mean, I, I hope you have a great day. If you're not a father, maybe you're a mom, maybe you're somebody that never had children. You're going to go through the day, too, and I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that uh, you are finding a lot of enjoyment in honoring your dad or whatever. Today I want to talk about the faith of a father. In John chapter 4, 43 through 54, it says, After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he, he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you'll not believe. The official said to him, Sir... Come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and, he told, and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live, and he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. I love the title of one of James Dobson's books, Parenting Isn't for Cowards. As a dad, I learned raising kids isn't for the faint of heart. I had two beautiful daughters but sometimes, you know, you'd go through rough places and stuff and you just, Lord, I just hope I have the wisdom that you want me to have to make the decisions that I need to make. My daughters grew up to be beautiful women and I praise God for that. A guy stopped at a grocery store on the way home from work to buy a couple things for his wife. He wandered aimlessly searching for the needed groceries. He kept passing another shopper in almost every aisle. It was another dad trying to shop with a totally uncooperative three-year-old boy in the cart. The first time they passed, the three-year-old was asking over and over for a candy bar. Our guy couldn't hear the entire conversation. He just heard dad say, Now, Billy, this won't take long. In the next aisle, the three-year-old's pleas had increased several octaves. Dad was quietly saying, Billy, just calm down. We'll be done in a minute. They passed near the dairy case, and the kid was screaming uncontrollably. Dad was still keeping his cool. In a low voice, he was saying, Billy, settle down. We're almost out of here. Dad and his son reached the, the checkout counter just ahead of our observer. He still gave no evidence of losing control. The boy was screaming and kicking. Dad was calmly saying over and over, Billy, we'll be in the car in just a minute, and then everything will be okay. The bystander was impressed beyond words. This man had such control. 
he paid for the groceries and hurried to catch this amazing example of patience and self-control just in time to hear him say again, Billy, we're done. It's going to be okay. He tapped the father on the shoulder and said, Sir, I couldn't help watching how you handled little Billy. You were amazing. Dad replied, You don't get it, do you? I'm Billy. Being a dad can be a challenge. I'm talking about being what God intends for you to be, not just a sperm donor, not just somebody that creates uh, children, but I'm talking about being a real dad. Consider the first-time father feeding his baby some strained peas. There were traces of food everywhere, the floor, the ceiling, especially on the baby. His wife saw the huge mess, and she looked at the baby, then at her husband, who appeared to be sitting, staring off into space, oblivious to the whole situation. She asked, what are you doing? He said, I'm waiting for the first coat to dry so I can put on another. Shopping and feeding are challenges, but nothing's harder for a parent than watching their child get sick or hurt. Every parent wishes they could trade places with a sick child. I remember when Tammy was just a very tiny little girl and we were living in Grand Coulee, Washington and somehow or other Tammy fell and bashed her mouth and was bleeding profusely and we were scared to death. What do you do? And Marty put her in a high chair and handed her a baking powder biscuit and I remember Tammy tried to eat that. The blood soaked in the biscuit. It was kind of quite a sight to see her eating that bloody red biscuit. But finally, we got everything stopped, and we were so relieved that our little girl was going to be all right. You know, that's what motivated God to step in and take our place with our sin problem because he loved us so much. If you've watched your sick child struggle, you know what the father in our text was going through. John doesn't say much about him. He tells us he was a nobleman, probably a member of Herod Antipas' royal family. He had servants, so we surmise he must have been fairly wealthy. The real situation is this nobleman has a, was a dad whose son was so sick that he thought he was going to die. Wealth and rank don't mean much when your child is sick. This miracle teaches important lessons about the various levels of faith that some uh, good and some bad have. Here are five different levels of faith. First level, miracle-seeking faith. Miracles may be the starting point for real faith, but often it's a dead end. This kind of faith is only as strong as the next miracle. Too often the plea of the miracle-seeking faith is, Lord, what have you done for me today, lately? Jesus' first uh, response to nobleman's plea for help was John 4:48. Unless you uh, see signs and wonders, you'll, you'll not believe. This comment was actually aimed more at the public than at the Father, I think. What's wrong with faith that wants miracles? Well, first, it easily degenerates into testing God as if we're offering God a deal, like saying, help me and I'll believe in you. This dad, uh, you know, was promising uh, that he, he believed in Jesus already. I remember hearing about my dad making a promise during the Second World War. He was in the Philippines in, on the island of Leyte. 
he was under great fire. They, the enemy was coming down, and Dad and a bunch of soldiers were in a foxhole, and there were some of his buddies that had gotten shot and killed, and, and so Dad began to bargain with God, and he said, you know, if you get me out of this situation, I, I will just give you my son. I, I'll let him be raised for you. You know, when I heard that story, I thought, how generous. I mean, why didn't he make a commitment for himself? Why did he try to tie my life up? I mean, not that I mind living for God, but it seems like if he wanted something, he should have promised God he would live for him. See, this was totally backwards. His prayer should have been, Jesus, forgive me for my sins, and I will live for you, and I will raise my son in a Christian home if you spare my life and get me home. It's like telling God, if you measure up to my expectations, I will love you. God's love is unconditional. We should love and honor God without trying to put conditions on our love. The second level of faith is demanding miracles. You know, and that can cause us to be easily deceived. Shallow people are bamboozled by every crook and charlatan. Skilled in magic and manipulation, they can convince people a lot of different things that aren't even true. There was a man that I had heard about living in Mesa, Arizona, that said he had the gift of healing. And people would go to him and he would pass his hands over the people and say some kind of phrases. And then he would charge them, you know, that wasn't of God. Jesus warned that in the last days, Matthew 24, 24, it says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. What kind of faith, uh, that kind of faith is seldom enough. Most people treat miracles, you know, real or pretended, as if opportunity to demand another one. Kind of like, you know, a genie in a bottle. I, I'm going to rub the bottle. I want you to do a miracle. I've got two more coming. Miracle-seeking faith is never enough. Dad, your responsibility as head of your house is to provide safety and security for the physical, for the emotional, and for the, for the spiritual well-being of your family. Find what's genuine and what isn't and keep your family safe from those things that will lead them astray. Let me give you a hint. The most uh, important thing that you can do is lead your family to Jesus Christ. Well, find out what are they reading? What are they watching on television? Who are their friends? It's easy to sidestep your responsibility and just let mom raise the kids, but that's not her assignment. It's yours. The man in our text wanted Jesus to come to his house. Jesus didn't come. He did a long-distance miracle. Jesus performed the miracle the way he did to demonstrate God's power is everywhere. Faith is never about where you are, but who you turn to. The third level of faith is some people's faith is casual or academic. You know, praying and worshiping, providing a, a break from the routines of life, but God won't be put on a compartment that we drag him down only when we want him to come out and, and minister for us. 
I knew a man who claimed to be a Christian, but he never witnessed because he said it wasn't anybody's business what his relationship to God was. It didn't matter to them if he was saved. He only dragged God out when he was de desperate. And I'll tell you what, he was a very shallow man. I doubt if he even knew Christ as his Savior. God is there 24-7, and he expects you to be a 24-7 Christian dad. Too many people keep religious matters on the fr fringe and miss what really matters. All of that changes as soon as life comes crashing in. I don't know if this man that came to Jesus for help had religion before, but now his son is dying and everything has changed. The father responded to Jesus' statement as if to say, I don't know anything about what other people are thinking or doing or what signs they're demanding. I just want my son to get well. Can you help me? Notice the father's words. John said, the nobleman's son was sick. The father spoke. The terminology changed. He said, my little boy is about to die. He was desperate. A desperate faith is better than a casual faith, but it's also dangerous because when we're desperate, we'll just grasp at anything or anybody that we think can help. I can't say strongly enough that your faith is only as effective as what you put your faith into. Desperate faith in the wrong thing always disappoints. You know, it's kind of like, again, my dad, when he was old and, and getting close to death, he began to turn to psychics for information. What's going to happen to me? Am I going to get the lottery? All this kind of junk. I warned him, Dad, this is not a thing for you to do. This is not of God. But he still kept writing. You know, faith without God is mere superstition or gullibility. Desperate faith is one thing. Blind faith is another. Too many dads are grasping at straws, hoping to find the right answer. Dad was calling out to psychics, and I thought how stupid. You know, after Dad died, I got a, or he got a letter that I intercepted that came from this psychic and said, Mr. Woods, we, we don't have your address. We'd like to know where you are. And so I answered that his address was gravesite such and such out in the Blue Mountain Cemetery in Walla Walla, Washington. And what a psychic you are that you wouldn't even know that. You know, faith isn't about how strong you feel or how emotional you are. It's about trusting in the right thing, and the right thing is God. I can have faith that the pills I take are my prescription for blood pressure, but if it's something else, no matter how much I believe it's the right pill, it will either do me no good or actually cause me harm. This man that came to Jesus probably rode 20 miles across Galilee to find him. He could have gone anywhere else and been just as sincere and desperate about it. You know, sincerity alone isn't the issue. Not for this desperate father, not for you. This desperate father went to the right source. He was sincere and went to where he could get the answer. He put his faith into action. No matter how sincere you are, if you're going the wrong direction, it's not going to answer your faith. Faith is always, uh, the fourth level, faith is always more than emotion and tingly feelings. It never just stops at words and sweet professions of sincerity. Look at what the man did in John chapter 4. 
verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Uh, number five, the, the fifth level of, of faith. Faith saves for eternity and sustains in the emergencies of life always and produces a positive action. Faith believes God. Faith obeys God. We sing, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. Well, that man's story didn't end here. On his way home, he met his servants coming to meet him, and they said his son was well. John 4, 51 and 52. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when it began to, his son began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. He asked what time the fever broke. And exactly one o'clock, they said the exact time that Jesus pronounced the boy healed. Coincidence? This father knew better. The old country preacher told a skeptic, Well, all I know is that when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't pray, they don't. You know, people who have faith in Jesus don't believe in coincidences. They believe in God incidences. I, I believe God has every means to take care of what we ask him for, and it's not coincidence when God answers a prayer. John added an interesting note. He said, when the father realized the timing, he believed in Jesus. Hadn't he believed before? Hadn't he turned to Jesus and taken him at his word? Well, of course he had, but there's an important progression in faith. First, he came out of desperation. Then he believed in a specific event or power. But once he understood who Jesus really was, his faith took on a new dimension. It's one thing to believe Jesus answers prayer of desperation or helps in emergencies. It's altogether another matter to believe that he is Lord of life, that he is worthy of following and obeying, and all of the time we should do things his way. The nobleman became a follower of Jesus, not just a miracle seeker or a desperate father. He was now a personal believer. You know, there's something else about the faith of this man that takes it to a higher level. His new relationship to Jesus was contagious. He not only believed, but he told his family about Jesus, and they also followed Jesus. This is the acid test of true conversion. When those who know us best are so impressed by our testimony and transformation that they want to follow too, then something significant has happened. A man was giving his testimony at one of those old Salvation Army open-air street meetings. As he was testifying, a heckler in the crowd yelled, Why don't you shut up and sit down? You're just dreaming. Well, immediately that heckler felt a tug on his coat. He looked down to see a little girl who said, Sir, may I speak to you? That man who is talking up there is my daddy. Daddy used to be a drunkard. He used to spend all the money that he made on whiskey. My mother was very sad and would cry most of the time. Sometimes when my daddy would come home, he would hit my mother. I didn't have shoes or a nice dress to wear to school, 
but look at my shoes and see this pretty dress. My daddy bought these for me. But the little girl wasn't through with the heckler yet. See my mother over there? She's the one with the bright smile on her face. She's happy now. She sings even when she's doing the ironing. Then the little girl said, Mister, if my daddy is dreaming, please don't wake him up. There's, you know, there are no guarantees. After a certain point, we've no control over the actions, decisions of our children. If we haven't built the foundation while they were in under our care, we can't expect the building to stand. Despite the fact that every one of us wants our families to go to follow Jesus and go to heaven, it doesn't always happen for lots of reasons. I'm sure the deeper, the more genuine, the sincere our faith is, the more likely it'll rub off from those around us. A hypocritical, inconsistent, compromising, shallow faith has little appeal to those who live with us day in and day out. This desperate father that we told you about in our text got more than he bargained for. He came wanting his boy to get well. Apparently his boy got well. He always believed in Jesus. Miracles seem to operate when we are most powerless and when we most need divine intervention. Our families certainly qualify as such an area. Who doesn't desperately want Jesus to help in the lives of our children and loved ones? Faith may start with a search for a miracle, but that's never enough. Real faith is turning to the right source for help. That source for time and eternity is Jesus Christ. But faith must move beyond desperation to trusting obedience. It must be personal and hopefully contagious. We can pray those we we can pray for those we love and pray that they will catch faith as well. They won't catch it if they don't have haven't been exposed to it. Dad, are you exposing your children to the life of a real genuine Christian? By the way, mom, How's your relationship with Jesus Christ? If the kids follow your example, are they going to go to heaven? Just a warning, God is going to speak to you about how you raised your kids and how you treated their their mother, Dad. You will give an accounting to him. I want to say happy Father's Day, but make sure that you're being a deserving father, a father that's a blessing to your family because a father that knows Jesus Christ is his personal Savior. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'll help each one that's listened to this, a father, a mother, whoever they are, that they might give their hearts and lives to you, and Lord, that they might be involved in raising a Christian family bound in this troubled world, bound for heaven, I pray. And Father, I'd pray also for those who don't have children or those who may be just listening but aren't married or whatever, that you'll help each one of us to realize the importance of letting Jesus Christ be our Lord and Savior. Help us to repent of our sins. Help us to make sure our lives line up with your will. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, you know the routine. If you want to get in touch with me, you can... Call me on my phone, 623-845-2741. That will also work as a a way to make a text for me. 
Actually, you can write me uh, email if you want to. My Gmail actually is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Or you can write me a physical letter to Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. I hope that you know him as your personal Savior. And I hope that this will be a fantastic Father's Day for all of you. God bless.